It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Competition. It's always oh, yeah. competition's always good. And if they fail and suck, well, at least the good thing is Netflix brought streaming to the main That's stream. Right. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a cast with no name. We are your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode four, Monday, April 25th, 2022. This episode, we will discuss our first viewings of the 2003 Western Open Range, the 1984 Coen Brother crime drama Blood Simple. Plus, we will talk a little bit about Netflix and we'll discuss how the Fantastic Beasts franchise failed and what Warner Brothers should have done to make it successful. We'll find out all that and more on a cast with no name. But first, Netflix. Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, go. Netflix? <laughs> yeah, Jay, Netflix. Yeah. I didn't really watch anything new this week because uh, I was busy watching all this other shit that we're going to talk about. So I figured let's talk about the Netflix news. Yeah. And how the stock just kind of took a shit and what that all means because it sort of relates to what we've been talking to the last couple podcasts on just getting content out there for content's sake and how does that affect the business model and how are they making decisions? And Jay, with the news of a 30, what, 3%, 34% single day stock drop. Yeah. How do you think the shareholders feel today about their company, Jason? Oh, I don't, I can't imagine they're too happy. However, um, yeah, news came out. They lost about 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter of 2022. And weren't they expecting like a gain of two and a half million? Yeah, I don't know what they were expecting to gain, but yeah, they... I think it was something like that. They lost 200,000. They're talking about or they've already implemented an ad-based subscription. How, wait, hold on. How do you feel about the ad-based subscription pivot if they were to do that? I don't know if they're going to do that, but... I... If a company wants to do whatever, I feel like a company should be able to do whatever they want. If they want yeah. to have an ad-based model, um, I guess, sure, they, they have the ability to do that. Um, it's it, it appears desperate to me, mm. um, going from no ads to ads to generate more money. Because with their 200 plus million subscribers, really? Like, right. You can't cut costs anywhere else. You can't figure out to make things more efficient or a way to attract more people. Well, and that was the appeal to begin with, to start with. Mm -hmm. People, you know, back in what, 2010, 2011, 2009, yeah. I can't remember the exact year, but people were starting to get on the, the Netflix bandwagon because mm -hmm. you could watch every season commercial free. You didn't have even have to take out the DVDs to yeah. waste your what is that? Three minutes of time to reload the DVDs. Yep. Yeah. They definitely made it simpler. Um, yeah. I, I guess for households that can't afford, I don't know. I don't even know how much it is a month. Any is 17, 18. Well, that's the thing. That's another reason why it was so successful. I think for the past seven, eight years, there was no price hike. Yeah. In subscription. And then, yeah, recently the past couple of years, they've, they've hiked it every year. Mm -hmm. I think now it's close to 18 bucks a month. Okay. Before it was like 10. Yeah. And yeah. I think it depends like in 4K content and yeah. the amount of devices you can have and stuff like that. Um, yep. I mean, if a household can't afford uh, 18 bucks a month, uh, my whole thing is 
ads notwithstanding, I don't think it's worth 18 bucks a month. I right now, um, I mean, they don't really don't have any shows and what shows they do have. They're in the twilight years of those shows. So you have Netflix, you have Ozark, which is ending this year. Yeah. Um, you have, I said Netflix, uh, stranger things. Yeah. Uh, which is in the final two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I'm trying to think of what else they have. It's not, like a staple. Not really anything. And I don't know if they have stuff in different regions because they have, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they make shows in Europe for European art audiences. They make shows for, uh, Korean audiences. So they have different yep. regions that they make content for, um, South America. So I don't know what hit shows are down there that are popular. Um, if any, but I just, the whole thing, I don't know. I, I hope they start to concentrate on content. I think they've been in uh, creation mode for a while to cover all other IPs leaving their service. Yeah. Like all the Marvel Marvel shows, uh, Friends, The Office, all of that content is now going to those owned streaming services. Yep. And I think in the next couple of years, unless Netflix really starts pumping out quality content, I think they're going to be hurting um, as far as just getting new subscribers or retaining existing ones because all the good content that people enjoyed Netflix for is not going to be on there. Um, That's right. Anymore. And all the major studios with owned IP, uh, valuable IP is creating streaming services and are fairly successful. So you have Disney, which obviously they have probably the best back catalog next to HBO Mm -hmm. uh, with their TV shows. Um, You have Paramount, which is starting to get better with, um, and that's owned by CBS and the whole Viacom thing. Yep. Um, And then you have uh, Peacock. Yep. which that has the office and everything else and universal. Yeah. NBC um, universal. And um, they're, they're still doing quality content and, and have quality content in their backlog to where Netflix has spent the past five, six years creating anything and everything under the sun as far as content, but then they cancel things and they have, that's their other problem is that the shows that do gain a following there's no completion of story so there's no reason um it's created kind of a uh i guess a precedent to where if they come out with a new show um a lot of people probably won't watch it until they realize until they can expect it to be completed because glow uh glow was a great show that christy and i watched they just canceled it out of nowhere um part of it was covid but part of it Maybe they didn't have as many viewers, but uh, Glow, I think, was a modest hit. Uh, Santa Clarita Diet um, was hilarious. Again, just canceled out of nowhere. Just no wrap up. No, And it wouldn't be as bad as that they did like a two hour episode or an hour episode just to wrap things up to complete a story. But it's, I feel like they're just creating stuff. Uh, like a very hyperactive child is just creating a bunch of stuff. Like, oh, let's do this. It's the shiny new object. Yeah, and they do this. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm bored. Let's do this let's over do here. something else, and yeah. 
they're going to have to start really, I think, creating good content. Yep. Um, because their movies aren't particularly good. Um, and we've talked about that. We've said that they're missing something. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that this is the tipping point. I think it's it's been it's it's been reached. Uh, before Netflix had, you know, five or six years of just straight dominance in the streaming game. And it's finally, it's finally at its apex since that, since like you said, everyone has their own streaming service now and all the, all the back catalogs that Netflix was banking off to get that initial subscription base. It, it, they're all gone now. Mm-hmm. Like you said, friends and the office and is parks and rec still on there. Nope. Yeah. It's so, on Peacock. Right. That's, that's what ga- That's how you got your, your foundation to begin with. And they had five or six years where they could have separated themselves by making smart decisions. And like you're right, they just they throw money at things with no obvious plan. At every new shiny object, they give they give directors and creators you know a certain budget, and they say go make something. We'll try it out. And there's I can't I can't think of a Netflix series that has come to a logical conclusion. I'm thinking about like House of Cards, which was one of their first really successful original series. Of course, it didn't help with the whole Kevin Spacey thing, but I mean, the final season on that was just not good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orange is the New Black. That was another one that was very popular. I That that final season wasn't very good. Me and Nicole watched it. Um, yeah, Stranger Things. I mean, there's still a couple seasons left there. And I can't, I honestly can't think of an original Netflix movie that has just stood out that, will stand the test of time. Yeah, I mean the only thing that they've really had, I mean they had Roma um which yep. nominated for best picture I think a couple yeah. years back. And I watched that. Um okay. Pretty good. Slice of Life movie. I'm sure. not a, I'm not a huge Slice of Life movie fan. Yeah. Um but it was <laughs> shot really 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 well. Sure, was, um, I'm sure it was really really well made. And um and then the, you had The Irishman um long yeah yeah they and and that i mean it wasn't scorsese's best no um well jay we've all seen goodfellas we've all seen the departed we've seen casino it's all those movies wrapped into just a different a couple different characters Mm -hmm. that's what it felt like and i wonder if it was just so long because scorsese was able to do whatever he wanted whatever he wanted yep but this is why this is a good tipping point. I think they're going to have to reevaluate their business models on how they select content and how how much money you give these endeavors. Like, yeah, they're going to have to start acting like an actual studio as yes. opposed to random upstart internet company. And right. we like movies, we so have we no just competition. Throw, so yeah. we're we're throwing you know, you know, yeah, and caution to the wind. Mm-hmm. And even their. And I, I I don't log on to Netflix that often anymore. Um, What's the first, like, if you want to watch something, is Netflix the first go-to for you now, or is it something else? Uh, I would say HBO Max is probably my first go-to I was gonna, that's, that's mine now. Um, partly because we're re, re-watching Friends, and but they have a more variety of content. Their movie um, selection's pretty pretty good. Yeah, they pretty have, stellar. you have HBO, you have the stuff that's on hbo cable Mm -hmm. currently movie wise which you have more of your recent ones um and i think it helped them that they were releasing first run movies same day streaming yeah that helped for a while um 
from what I understand, they're not doing that in the future. They're not going to be doing it, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I like that. I want to go to yeah. the movies again. Yeah. I like, I enjoy that. The, uh, but I would HBO max. Um, I, I, doesn't help variety. The, doesn't help that it doesn't hurt that you got Rick and Morty on there in South Park yep. two of the best. Yeah. Cartoon. Animated cartoons out there. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, well that, and they have, they have hubs. They have Turner classic movies yeah. on there. They have, um, they did a really good job. Um, I was actually surprised they didn't have Lawrence of Arabia on there. I was hoping they would, but yeah. What are you going to do? They, uh, but no, I think, I think they've done a really good job. Uh, I have friends that disagree because of their sound mixing or their 4k quality or mm -hmm. 4k content is lacking. But as far as how they organized it for the average consumer, I think they, they nailed it. Um, but they had the, the IP behind it. I mean, they have all the HBO shows on there permanently yep. that aren't going to go away. Um, and I think a lot of it, what's going to keep people going back to a certain streaming service or keeping them subscribed is the IP. It's obviously it's going Absolutely. to be the shows. I mean, it's, it sounds obvious, but um, having a bunch of crap in front of you that you don't know what to watch because you've never heard of it before. It, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. And it, they should have saw this coming because they're not like an Apple or an Amazon mm -hmm. where they have another business unit that they can fall back on. Mm -hmm. They're not diverse like them. Yeah. So Apple, it's it's well known. Apple TV and and Amazon Prime, like the video service, they, it doesn't make money for Amazon or Apple. Mm -hmm. They're in it for the data, and what what people are putting their eyes on, so they can tailor advertising even more. Mm -hmm. Netflix, that's not what they're doing. All they have is content. So if your content sucks, and you're going to charge people more for shitty content. You're going to lose subscribers. Yep. So they're at a crossroads right now, and I think it's good though. I think yeah. they're going to adjust and maybe put out some better movies, Jay, that me and you will like. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully it'll so. force them to try. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll buy a couple more theaters and uh, ah. change the way they bring some of their content. It would be an expensive way to do it, but at least it'd be... Thinking outside the box. Yeah. To where, hey, we own some theaters in select cities. You got, if you're a subscriber to Netflix... You can go see this movie in a theater for free. Yeah. I like that. So, I mean, don't know if they're going to do it, but at least hopefully they'll try something new or try something to keep them in contention. Yeah. Um, because other than a couple of shows, I don't I don't know of anything. Because in the other, they don't have DVD. That you can't buy their stuff physically. It's another, so yeah, that hurts. It's, um, which is probably why they're going to bring up ad-based subscription just for another revenue stream. Yep keep the shareholders happy but um so what what's that mean jay that means 25 dollars for ad free subscriptions and then seven dollars for ad subscriptions yeah i <laughs> i would uh if yeah i hopefully them bringing on ads will keep them from raising rates uh but if they do i don't know if i had to cancel something it would probably be netflix yeah probably um i would say I was discussing with someone I thought uh, for the longest time, my answer would have been Amazon, but because I'm like, Oh, Amazon doesn't have anything, but they, they have Jack Ryan. They have the boys. They have Reacher. They have uh marvelous Mrs. Maisel. They have, I mean, they have some pretty good properties, pretty good shows that are still airing. 
um marvelous miss mazel's wrapping up they they have lord of the rings they just got a hold of the bond uh ip mm -hmm. which that's scary but the uh that's so, all scary stuff and they're they're gonna fuck lord of the rings all the way up it's yeah. not gonna be good and yeah it, it'll well you know what you wouldn't have to choose to get rid of amazon video or yeah amazon because you're not getting rid of the next day delivery correct anyway, so. yeah and that, that's the <laughs> yeah. that's what i think i'm like yeah. oh yeah it's just I, it comes with it it comes it's a with perk. prime so yeah yeah so you always have it jay yep. it'll always, always be there <laughs> i need that i need that shit made in china that's sent right. directly to me <laughs> i hopefully they'll start uh trying i think they will it's a good thing mm -hmm. competition it's always oh, yeah. competition's always good and if they fail and suck well at least the good thing is netflix brought streaming to the main That's stream but right. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah anything else on netflix yeah okay i'm good next fantastic beasts fantastic beasts and where to find them Yes, uh, we wanted to, uh, or I mean, yeah, we wanted to talk about this because, well, the new Secrets of Dumbledore movie came out. Um, we plan on seeing it. Plan on seeing it. Did not get around to it because life. And, uh, but we still wanted to talk about something with Fantastic Beasts uh, and how that the, they missed the mark yes. on the movie. Um, it could have been better yeah it much could, better yep could have been a lot better and um but we want to touch on this because we've talked about this before mm -hmm. and i don't think a lot of uh, from what i've seen no one's really brought this up no and oh they're going to now oh yes you've it's done the tens <laughs> of listeners are you guys are going to spread the word uh like the apostles and everyone will be speaking about this um yep it's gonna be trending on twitter number one yep and but the movies don't work uh we, ne we we haven't seen the third one second one was not good the first one was okay um but overall i'm pretty sure it was a letdown for most people mm -hmm. um, would, that's that's fair yeah and there's there's reasons for that and uh we just wanted to touch on those so yes um, we did i will i guess first let's let's talk about why the how it's fundamentally wrong right um and i don't want to be a mike hog or whatever no 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 I'm, <laughs> i want you to for this one <laughs> um it's pretty good but no I'll, I'll set it up and you you just you you just knock it out of the park jay okay, all right so you set it i'll up. throw i'll throw the the fucking fastball right down the middle yeah <laughs> Well, I think the biggest flaw in this in this franchise, Jay, at least the Fantastic Beast franchise, and I, I think you agree with me, is they shouldn't have focused on Newt Scamander as the main character. Correct. And, and they uh, should have focused on. Well, hold on. But before oh, okay. we do that reveal, um, which it, it, it shouldn't be too much of a shock. But yeah, Newt Scamander should not be. No. And let's talk about the problems with the movie. Um, but before we talk about the problems with the Fantastic Beasts, let's talk about why Harry Potter worked yes. because that is going to lead in the decision making for fantastic beasts or how it should have led into the decision making correct so um i mean i'll i, I guess 
start my opinion why harry potter worked um was the audience was able to buy in with the main character harry yes um and these movies these types of movies that have massive world building uh properties or um qualities qualities you need to find a character that you can follow and it has to be somewhat of a bland uh doesn't mean dull but a generic character so you have harry and harry potter you have neo in the matrix you have luke in star wars right they're a very basic person um they're not overly complicated complicated um and they're not so far out of reach to where no one to where someone wouldn't be able to relate to them couldn't imagine being in their shoes correct yes. now there is another way you can go about that you can do the iron man route or you can do the captain america route no one is going to be tony stark mm-hmm. um no one can be tony stark however people want to be tony stark because he's charismatic it's he's rich he's people Smart. want to be that person yes um where it doesn't work the hulk nobody wants to be a big green raging monster nobody wants to be out of control of their emotions to where if they get upset then they lose all control no one wants that no one wants to be the hulk if they do, they're probably bending it in their mind in some kind of way to where they would have control over the monster, right? not just out of control. Which Bruce Banner in Endgame ends up having full control of his emotions and yep. he walks around mm-hmm. as the Hulk. So yes, point well taken. Yeah. And I agree. Um, but those, and we'll kind of reference that too. Uh, I'll make references to the Hulk because that's another instance why it wouldn't work so um but yeah you need a main character for the audience to buy into to travel along with in that universe um yep and harry worked out he wasn't um people told him oh you're you're a great wizard or blah blah he's okay yeah i mean he was i i personally think the mvp out of that whole trio was probably hermione oh yeah um and uh but i mean you you explored that whole world with Harry. You learned things along with Harry. You found out information at the exact same time that Harry did. Exactly. Yes. So, and typically that's how you want to have your main character to yep. where they're guiding the audience and the audience is growing with them. Yep. Um, and the, the other thing that worked, and this kind of goes along with picking the right main character, is when you start the franchise and the main character is 10 years old, those movies were targeted. They knew who they were targeting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when they started, the first two movies, they were tar- targeted towards young kids or, uh, I mean, they were targeting 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. Yep. Um, and it was entertaining enough for families to watch it together, but they knew their audience. As those characters grew, the tone of those movies grew along with the characters. Right. And but to, to add on to that, by the way, they were geared towards 10, 11, and 12-year-olds, but 12-year-olds. The reason it works, though, is even adults, they remember what it's like being 10, 11, and 12, the same age, going through school, the mm-hmm. same experiences going from you know grammar school all the way through high school, all that yep. stuff. You can project yourself, even though you're a 35-year-old, a 50-year-old. It's entertaining, and 
the story itself, you're discovering the world too through the eyes of a 10 year old or 11 year old, because you can just envision yourself in the exact same position. Yep. Another thing that the way the movies worked is that they were based on books that were already hugely popular. Yep. And those books were written by J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Fantastic Beast movies, uh, the first two. And uh, what worked is they were already based on books. They had a template. They had a guide to begin with. Yep. Granted, some of the books were still being written as the movies were coming out, but they were able to time it to where the books were being completed before prior, the, to the movie. prior to the movie uh, being filmed. Yep. Um, unlike Game of Thrones. Unlike Game of Thrones. <laughs> but those books were whittled down by screenwriters mm-hmm. because it's a different medium. Uh, you can take, I mean, that's why mainly people say, oh, books were better than the movies because there's more in the books. There's a lot more in the books. There's more detail. More detail. Movies, you got to cut the excess stuff out, stuff that doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and there was major storylines cutting cut, it, cut out from... Uh, at least I know Prisoner of Azkaban oh, yeah. uh, with the uh, elf rights or the slave issue and all that. Um, they completely removed that for the movies. But uh, you had these stories already written, whittled down by screenwriters who are used to writing for movies. That goes into Fantastic Beasts. So contrary to everything we just said for Harry Potter, who's the target audience for Fantastic Beasts? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think anyone else does either. <laughs> Judging by the characters, I would assume adults. Yes. However, the, the, that, the that. weird experience I had rewatching this over the over the week, Jay, is yes, it's it's adult characters, so you get the sense that it's for adults. But then the plot comes in, and you're like, "Is this geared towards adults? I think this is like a they're trying to make a kiddie movie." But then they have these elements of adult themes in there. And it because every the movie's fantastic beasts. So you got to have beasts in there. Mm-hmm. And every time there's a scene with a beast, it's some like cutesy uh, geared towards kids scene. You know, oh, they're adorable, aren't they? And they're they're awesome, magical creatures. And then you have a theme of uh, child abuse. Yeah. It just gets thrown Repressed in there. Repressed memories. And, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, this storyline with, you know, I have magic in me and I have to repress it. And if I don't repress it, I kill people because I just lash out into the environment. Mm. And it, I have no rhyme or reason of where I'm going. Whoever's in my path, they're they're dead. And when you when you juxtapose that with Fantastic Beasts and it's a kitty thing, it just it doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's it, muddled. It, yeah, it creates a yeah. difficult tone. Yes. And so not sure who the target audience is. Yep. These movies were written by the author. J.K. Rowling can write books as long as they're Harry Potter. I haven't read Casual Vacancy, I think. Yeah, it's like a murder mystery show up. Yeah, I never read that. Me neither. Um, And why would you, Jay? You're not a J.K. Rowling connoisseur. I don't read. Good? Good. (laughs) With the... With the letters and the the, punctuation stuff. Um, But she can write books. She cannot obviously write movies. It's a totally different medium. It's the reason why you have to drill. Like you can't just throw everything that was in the book and books hit you harder sometimes. 
because they're presented to you from a different way. Most of the time during first person, you're able to see character's thoughts or read character's thoughts. You can't do that in movies, short of narration. Um, and so then you have to like spell everything out. You got to spell everything out, which is kind of distracting. But then you are, if, and if you're an author writing a screenplay, you're going to go about it how you know how to write, which is how to write books, which right. means I'm going to throw all these details in, most of which probably shouldn't even be in there. Um, yep. And when that movie was coming out, J.K. Rowling was the, the height of her powers. And Warner Brothers probably just wanted another Harry Potter movie. She said, fine, but I'm writing it. I get final approval. And they were like, okay. And that's what you get. That's what you get. So if you're an author, not to say that authors can't go and write screenplays or vice versa, you have to go about it writing it differently. And I don't think she did that. Um, she put in stuff that was superfluous. It wasn't clear. It felt like I was missing half of what should have been in there if it was a, if it was a book. Um, it didn't feel complete. It didn't feel like they knew where they were going with the story, uh, which could have been an issue too. I think that's very evident. After watching it again, I it, it ends and I'm like, where are they going with this? Even though I've seen the second one. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the main character, you had Harry, which was the perfect one. You have Newt in this one the main character needs to be somebody that people can relate to. Um, there might be some people that can relate to Newt. Most, most general audiences will not be able to relate to him. Right. Um, oh, he's quirky and weird and socially awkward. Granted. Yeah. That's probably the majority of movie fans period. And, uh, but you don't have him as their main character. That's why you have Charlie Babbitt and Rain Man as the main character and not Rain Man. Rain Man himself, yeah. Uh, it's why you don't have Jack Sparrow as your main character. You have Will. Yes. White Bread Will. Will Sparrow. As your, uh, as your main character. Um, Jack is cool. And some people, yeah, people want to be Jack Sparrow, but he has the same problem with the Hulk. Not that, oh, people don't want to be him or he's a monster. Too much of him is completely overboard. If you had a whole movie, just the Jack Sparrow show, which I think it kind of got towards that, towards, towards the, end, the yeah. end. Oh, yeah. They weren't as good. The best one was the first one. Mm -hmm. um, and then they threw in more Jack, threw in more Jack, more of his, and it made it less special. Yeah. Um, I think if they were trying to go for a quirky character for Newt, um, they nailed his character i guess but he was in it way too much right um and you can't you can be neurotic and socially awkward but it gets to that tipping point where yeah a lot of people are socially awkward and maybe a little neurotic but new just takes it overboard you still have it's, to make them relatable yeah it's a little too much um what was it uh i mean i'm neurotic and a little socially socially awkward at times if i'm in like a like a room of people i don't know sure but i'm not gonna Newt has these weird like, mannerisms that hunch your shoulders. Yeah, and, and you know, he talks like this right out of his mouth the whole time. It's like, all right, yeah. take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Uh, Calm down. Uh, Tropic Thunder, you don't go full retard. <laughs> That's right. It's, 
And you, you never make, go full retard. Yeah, never go full. <laughs> Champagne, I am saying. <laughs> never went real. Went home with the gold. <laughs> What's the example they give her? Uh, Forrest Gump, uh, retarded. Play ping pong, not retarded. <laughs> go home with an Oscar. But who went? Sure. <laughs> who went? Who went? Who went? Who, he said, "Who went for a retard though and didn't go home with the gold?" Uh, it was uh, Sean Penn and uh, I am Sam. Oh, that's right. He's like. He went full Sean retard. Man. Went home empty-handed. Went home empty-handed. Um, but and <laughs> we, not gotta, that, we gotta do a show yeah, on Tropic it, Thunder. Yeah. That's a but that's not a great that, movie. not that Newt went full retard, but he went so far that it wasn't relatable. Yes. And you can't have um you can't have somebody unrelatable be your main character. You need to make them relatable. You need to allow the audience to buy in. Him being quirky and cute is not enough. It's there's gotta be a reason for him doing or reason for you're following him. Mm-hmm. Harry had an abusive household. He wanted to get out of there. He found he just found out on his 10th birthday that he was a wizard. That's something that kids can buy into, um, which I'll touch on that as far as who should have been the main character. But that that's the main thing is like, Newt, you can't have be that awkward. Need to make him relatable. Yep. That aside. So we've touched on they don't know who the target audience is. Um they have the wrong main character and it was written by somebody who's used to writing books, not structuring their writing and storytelling to fit a narrative that typically fits in a two hour long movie. Yeah. Um, or, and they may or may not have had a complete path as far as what these movies were supposed to be, because I don't other fantastic. I mean, I, there was a couple animals in there in the first one, I guess, but, it wasn't about that. No, it's not about the animals. And which is fine, but it was like. It's I, like they settled on a title. They're like, we have to call it this. Yeah, we have to call it something or like they needed they needed to release some kind of news. And they're like, oh, fantastic beasts. Where to find them? Great. What's the story? Ah, fuck it. We'll figure it out later. We'll put the animals in it. Yeah. Right. Put, put gonna, the animals. We're going to have some CGI fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. And people will get it. Yep. Um. So you had that. Now to the main character. Um, and I touched on this earlier. When when you're a kid and you're watching Harry Potter and he discovers he's a wizard, that target audience, the, the 10, 11, 12-year-olds, they have that imagination. It's why the character worked. Because you can... Project uh, yourself. You can project yourself in there. Oh, yeah. You could imagine, if you're 10 or 11, oh, that'd be... Most 10 or 11, 12-year-olds obviously know wizards aren't real, but there's still that side of them like, that would be cool if it's just... I was 17 when I saw it, and I thought, that would be so cool if I was a wizard. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you, it's easier to buy in. It's easier to follow them along further into movies, especially after they're five movies in, you've grown up with these characters. Um, And you can get away with pretending you're a wizard too. Yeah. And I do think that it came out at a great time in movie in like movie history, 2001 tail end, because right after Harry Potter came out, Lord of the Rings came out and that sort of, th- those two movies sort of solidified that, okay, fantasy is back mm-hmm. and it can make a lot of money at the box office. Yeah. And it was good that when they came out, because the effects were there, yes. some, some of the older effects are a little, little dated, little dated at the time. They but, weren't. Yeah. But you could, you could pull it off yeah. consistently and um, became more feasible. Yep. Adults, 
no, they're not wizards. And my, my, sometimes my, yeah. Have, my, you, been, have you been to a Harry Potter <laughs> trivia? <laughs> the, uh, for Fantastic Beasts, I think their tar- target audience was everybody that grew up with Harry Potter. Yep. And when that movie came out, was it 2015? 2016. 2016. When that movie came out, those kids that grew up with Harry Potter were now in their mid-20s. Yep. Late 20s. Possibly early 30s. Mm-hmm. And that's your target audience. Yep. Because you already created the child story. Now with Fantastic Beasts, if you want that franchise to continue with that built-in audience you've already built up with Harry Potter, that yep. audience is older, targeted toward adults. And I'm not saying, and this is what we would have changed is very, very minimal to where I think the first movie was close. It needed another revision. Um they could have changed the plot points completely, but all the characters they could have kept. Um, yeah. The underlying story of uh, a wizard war kind of percolating or like people kind of becoming un- um, like rebellious or whatever the hell was going on. You could still could have kept that. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a soft reboot of the, the yeah. Voldemort war plot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you could have kept that, but you could have had your main story, Yeah. but your, your target audience is adults. Um, and your main character should have been Jacob Kowalski. Yes. And the reason for that is Jacob Kowalski is probably playing a character around the age that majority of the people that grew up pairing Potter are watching. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think he's in his late 30s or maybe Close possibly enough. early 40s, but he played younger. He played probably somebody in his 20s yes. um, or late 20s. Same thing with Newt and, uh, oh, uh, Queenie. Queenie. And Tina. Tina. Yep. So he should have been the main character because he is somebody that's relatable. And he would have been the guide for these next series of movies because you're having a no magic person be the main character of your Fantastic Beasts or Harry Potter universe is the character you want as your main character when your target audience is an adult. And that's what their target audience was. They could say, oh, we made these movies for kids. Really? The only kid I know is the Ezra Miller character, and he's like. 17 in that yeah i mean there's a couple of little creepy village of the damn yeah. kids in there but <clears throat> and he's being physically abused yeah i was like that the, heartwarming the movie's not for kids <laughs> it's <laughs> not for kids it's, no. i mean kids can watch it and be fine but it yeah it, whoever like we said they put the fantastic beasts in there yeah right yeah um and no, but Jay, it goes back to the point. Why was Harry Potter so successful? You you follow Harry through the steps of discovering the wizarding world. He's typically a no. He's a nomad. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't. He's not aware of his powers to start off with, and you're discovering everything through his shoes. It's the yep. same thing. Yep. The adult version, quote unquote, of Harry. Mm-hmm. He's just not destined to be a wizard, but you're you're following him along the journey, the Fantastic Beast journey through five movies or however many they plan on having. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's the he would end up being the everyday character you yeah. relate to um, and the one you champion and you root for because he already, he doesn't have these powers. He's already an underdog. Mm-hmm. And so you have 
other underdogs you can put them up with like Ripley, Rocky, Laurie Strode, and he seeing what he can do to overcome that yep. um, obstacle. You would still have Newt. Newt would, and Jacob Kowalski would be Newt's sidekick. Um, yes. But Jacob Kowalski is the main character because you're looking at it through his eyes. He's experiencing all this brand new. And it's it's like Rain Man. Yeah, seriously. Exactly like Rain Man. Yes. And exactly the same thing. Oh, well, no. yes. The same plot. <laughs> um, and they could have. And this is kind of going playing with the story a little bit. And we can touch on the story. But how it would have fit is you could have kept the meeting the same way to where Newt is socially awkward. So therefore, use that to the story's advantage. You have um, Jacob, who's wanting to start a bakery. And he doesn't have uh, the funds to do that. Mm -hmm. Have them work together to where Newt maybe has, he had, I mean, he gives him those silver eggs or yeah. something at the end, the end to where he's aware of that. Now he can say, Hey, I have something I could provide you to help you get your start. If you help me in what I'm doing to where what he's doing, he's in America. He doesn't talk with people very well. He comes from an area where no match uh, people aren't, restricted in the magical world so you have that conflict that to where he's bringing him around to all these magical places and everybody in america's the makuza is like uh what are you doing yes yep. um so you can play on that but he's socially awkward he knows he's socially awkward jacob is a very affable friendly person mm -hmm. to where that would be quote unquote like more or less his translator throughout america that's right and his guide and to where um and newt's main thing could be which I think should have nothing to do with the wizard uprising or the wizard percolating wizard battle that can be going on in the background and maybe a concern for some of the other characters um, and maybe have something for them to do, but it could just be Newt trying to find, Oh, I lost this thing. I need to find it. And you turn them into quest movies. You could even have Newt's commander not be that good of a writer. And Jacob Kowalski is the one writing the book. Ah, uh, yeah. And to where, yeah. Newt signs off on it, but, and it could end up being his journal that is actually what's created into the textbook. Right. Um, and Newt could provide all the scientific or quote unquote scientific details of these animals and the uh, curiosities that have to do with them. But Jacob should have been the main character. Uh, you would be able to follow him. It would have let the story, I feel like, grow a lot more organically than it would with Newt because Newt, he's already established. So you know nothing about him. I guess I don't know what difficulties are other than him being socially awkward. They tried to make they tried to make his character interesting by introducing Lita Lestrange as like a love interest. Um, but at, they 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 inserted that to give him so, some sort of background, like some sort of uh, tortured background that he's still grappling with. Oh, like a mystery box kind of thing that you discover on. No, 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 yeah. no. Well, no. They, they tried to do that, and again, it's Lestrange, so you're trying to connect it back to the original Harry Potter series. But then they, they introduced Tina as like the love interest towards the end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, they didn't settle it, because the second movie comes along, and Lita's marrying Newt's brother, fiance, and then that's that Lita Lestrange backstory, uh, Tortured Past, kind of just goes away. Yeah, They don't even mention it again. Mm -hmm. So, it's an indicator that they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to make newt interesting to your point yeah he's just quirky he likes animals and he's socially awkward mm -hmm. that, that's literally all newt is yeah other than that he's not interesting at all yep and 
I I haven't watched the first one. I watched the first one. When did uh, Crimes of Grindelwald came out? 2018. Okay. I think that was probably the last time I watched Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was right before that movie came out so we could watch the the second one. Um, And again, Jacob Kowalski is the best part of that movie. Part of it, yeah, yeah, he's a little bit of comedic relief, but he's the most interesting person because you're experiencing it along with him. Um, you could still have Queenie and him having the love interest thing. You could still have him losing his memory at the end. You could, And that would make it hit. I think that was probably the most emotional relevant point is the fact that he had to say goodbye. Yes. And it, I think it would have made it that much better if he was the main character because you could do a couple of creative things like that. If you're seeing the world through his eyes and he forgets something, I mean, you could... Obviously, like he kind of remembered something, but you can play with that a little bit narratively. There's, um, I, I, I feel like it opens up so many more possibilities because you're you're looking at it one through someone who's more relatable, but two through a limited viewpoint. Um, meaning you can play with his memories, or he's not aware of everything. So you're allowed, to, you're yeah, able you, to, yeah. if you want to explain or show. Uh, something new it's a lot easier to explain it it's a lot easier to i mean instead of having new walking around like if i was new i wouldn't be explaining shit other than like if you ask me a question hey what's the, oh it's uh yeah it's a wand i i fiddly fuck and then it does something it does its thing and then i'd move on and i yes so um i that that i think is their biggest drawback they missed the main character uh, to where who it should have been. Um, well, I think they tried to pivot after watching the second one because it's prop. It, it features Johnny Depp's character, Grindelwald character, predominantly more in in the second one, mm-hmm. a lot more than actually Newt. Dumbledore's in there a lot more as well. I you can tell they're trying to set up shifting from Newt to Dumbledore and Grindelwald in that conflict. So. In order to have five movies, they need to have like an end, you know, gangbusters conclusion of it's going to be Grindelwald against Dumbledore, sort of like they had Harry against Voldemort. They were trying to mirror that conflict, which I think they knew that Newt is not very compelling. Yeah. And maybe that's something they decided later Mm -hmm. on. Maybe if that was their whole plan to begin with, then you just make a young Dumbledore movie. Yeah. I mean, just do that. Um, I mean, I think I would have had it. Because I, I like Tina, Queenie, Jacob, and Newt. Mm-hmm. That that could have just been that group. I mean, maybe that's the group that they go on these quests or whatever. I don't feel like they needed Grindelwald in there or Dumbledore. Um, if nope. they wanted to have that an underlying thing, something that boils up. Um, but I just, I think they did too much and not enough time. And they didn't understand what they were trying to do. And but yeah, it did feel like fan service in the second one. Yep. Which is throwing in Well, they're trying to replicate you know. the the entire conflict of the Harry Potter series. Yeah. They they introduced the blood pack between Grindelwald and and uh Dumbledore. So to where they're they're connected and they can't harm each other. It, it's straight back to Harry and Voldemort where they're connected from the Cruciatus curse with, you know, Harry's mom protecting him and he's a horror crook, so they're they're in, they're interconnected, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think that I mean they took the wrong lessons of what made Harry Potter right. good, yeah. and they should have made these movies. They wanted a new Fantastic Beast series. They could have done that, and they sh- 
obviously Jacob's the main character, but they should have had these things, these movies like quests, like Raiders. Yeah. Um, having an Indiana Jones like adventure movie, every single one. You could do exotic locations. You, I mean, it had the first one in the United States, then it had the second one was in Europe. Paris. Paris. Yeah. Um, you could have one take place in uh the Sahara or yeah. Russia or China or whatever. You could enter it would be a great way to introduce a lot of different magical communities. Um, and it could have been the James Bond-esque each movie a different kind of adventure oh we got to go find this animal and it would make a lot more sense to where that would what be what drives the storytelling to where he's kind of almost like a gun for hire newt being a gun for hire to where he gets paid by different magical communities to okay we got this this thing going nuts you need to can you collect them please because we can't really deal with them that well yeah and so he goes he brings jacob with him and the crew and they have an adventure. You don't even need the wizarding war if you don't want it. Um, you don't need to connect it with five different movies connecting yeah. each other. Yeah. And, and you don't need to connect it with people, characters that we already know. Right. Um, and Well, they're so far removed, Jay, from the original characters. Lita Lestrange, like in the movie, like, oh, the, she's the daughter of Corvus V. And I'm like, I don't, okay, I know Bellatrix. That's it. Yeah. So how far removed is Lita from Bellatrix? Yeah. So what if you're going to go like four generations behind, it's not really a connection. Mm-hmm. It's just a, uh, this is the, the vague name. Remember this vague name? Yeah, we're going to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it was a missed opportunity. Um, yeah. However, at the same time, if I could change one thing, I, f- I feel like if they just changed Jacob, they could have kept a majority of the story. I feel like it just needed another rewrite or two. Um, and. Yeah, because you could have kept the Credence subplot where he, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, physically abused and repressed. A repre- I can't remember what the obscurial I think is what he is obscura or obs- yeah something. yeah that could be the movie mm-hmm. like Newt was sent there because there's an obscure obscurial terrorizing New York City mm-hmm. and then that's what the movie's about yep that's it yep and then the next and movie cut it off something else there's no Dumbledore there's yeah. nothing it's just that's the movie and then you go like you're at you like you say it's just, it's Raiders it's mm-hmm. another adventure yeah and uh yeah I think and it's geared a, towards adults, Jay. Yeah. Because all the adults have grown up. Yep. Sort of. Yeah. And that, but that's who's going to be watching those mm-hmm. because it's not. I have mean, you seen the meme? Mm-mm. There's a meme. Uh, Nicole sent it to me. It's it's 2001. It's a bunch of kids going into a movie theater and it says Harry Potter and it's 2022 Secrets of Dumbledore. And it's a bunch of like adults yeah. <laughs> going into the movie. Yeah. It, it's the truth. And yeah. because no kid is going to watch a preview of Fantastic Beasts any of the three movies that they put out so far back, I want to see that because they don't know what the fuck that is. Right. They do with Harry Potter because, Oh, there's somebody my size. That's right. My age looks like me. Looks like me. So, um, but yeah, that's, uh, they, they had a huge missed opportunity. I think, um, they just went about it the wrong way. They, they tried to do something, like Harry Potter, but I think they took the wrong lessons away from why people liked Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and they they didn't know who they were targeting. Um, because I think they just felt, oh, well, this is they thought it was so popular that it didn't need to hit all or make all the connections. It just mm-hmm. had to have it had to vaguely resemble it. And yeah. it, it would it would be a success. And and I was hoping the third one would be better. 
I was kind of banking on maybe the third one would possibly have better reviews simply because the original screenwriter, Steve Cloves, yeah, was coming back to write the actual screenplay instead of J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have a story, you don't have a story. It's tough, and yeah, you can't you can't make something be I'm trying awesome. to make lemonade here. I got yeah. these oranges. What the fuck do I do? Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 tough to create a franchise or a continuation of something if you don't have a roadmap. Yeah. Well, Jay, I think uh, we're not going to find out what happens in the conclusion of this five film franchise because I think they're just going to cut their losses. It's just like the Chronicles of Narnia. It's just like it. They plan on uh, making a movie for all, I think, seven books, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And they stopped that the third one because they weren't financially successful. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And I hadn't, I saw the first one when it came out in theaters. Um, and I saw Professor X as a goat, goat man. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Professor X. Uh, I forgot he was in that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. The uh, young James McAvoy. I, I don't remember those movies being really terribly entertaining. Of course you don't. So that, that was probably the <laughs> main problem. I thought you were going to say, I don't really remember these movies. Yeah. I uh, barely remember them. I think I just saw the first one. I never saw I just, Yeah, second. I just saw the first one. Um, I remember Liam Neeson is the voice of... Uh, uh, Jesus. Uh, the lion. Or, uh, lion Jesus. Uh, A- Asgard. Not Simba. Mus- uh, Asra. It starts with an A. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Ass Lion. Aslan. Oh, Aslan. <laughs> <laughs> that that was like i was just trying to be funny i didn't know it was a playoff of the man his name is almost ass lion that's awesome but i was thinking mustafa right is that who's simba's dad's name mustafa mustafa that's not right mufasa mufasa who's mustafa isn't that will ferrell's character off of yeah, Austin Powers? A, no no uh <laughs> off of uh zoolander that's mustafa. right yeah that's right What's Will Ferris' character's name on Austin Powers? That gets I'm severely burned. Oh shit! That maybe that is Mustafa. I think it is. Magato is the name <laughs> of. Yeah. What is the name of his character in Elf? Buddy. Come on, mm. give me a break. All right. What other Will Ferrell movies? Uh, yeah. What other? Yeah. He should have been in Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> <laughs> Would have made the movie better. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's how Fantastic Beast. That's why Fantastic Beast didn't work. Yeah, um, myriad of other things. Just wrong story. But mainly, I think the biggest downfall is the main character. If you don't have someone to relate to, yeah, people aren't going to buy in. I wrote a note here too that you know we've gotten so far ahead in CGI that you can't sell a movie on just the CGI. Maybe you could have done that twenty years ago. You know, watching the first Harry Potter was literally like magic. Mm-hmm. Nothing you've ever seen before. And they try to fill that negative space in the fantastic beast movie with magical creature cgi shit and it's like everything you've seen before it's nothing really magical it's yeah. just typical cgi stuff that you've seen a thousand times yeah. before it doesn't make it special it doesn't so, elevate it um which i wonder like jay here's a good question can you sell a movie nowadays on just you know cgi that you could have done 20 years ago haven't we reached the point of just, you know, is there going to be another avatar where you're just, well, yeah, there's going to be four well, more yeah. of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where you go see it. Cause you have to experience it because you've never, because s- it's an event. It's an event. You've never seen anything like it before. I, I don't know because what it would have to be a different 
way of presenting the story like 4d 4d or some kind of vr yeah um thing but i i don't know because you used to go to movies for bigger productions oh yeah now the exact same budget could be done for tv shows yep and tv and that's why we're in the probably still in the golden age of television to where you can do a lot more with the characters that you can't do in movies plus you could also have your huge special effects you could have your world building you could have your so i i don't know um i think maybe i mean as scorsese said uh marvel's turning into the marvel movies are like theme park rides rides, yeah roller coasters maybe that's the new the new movie is the 4d could be kind of stuff to where hook you up with the robot and I, li- I think you're right own. about the VR. I think we're there in a couple of years. It'll be like a VR movie that comes out. You're about to- I would not want to have to figure out how to do that. Well, they do have theaters in LA and New York where it's like VR theaters. Oh, really? But it's it's for movies like, you know, the nature doc, you know, narrated by Richard at Richard Attenborough. Oh, something. so you're just like kind of plopped in the yeah. middle and it's. Yeah. And they present an environmental. Yeah. It says like turn right. You look right. And there's there's an animal there. Yeah. And then Richard Attenborough comes up and starts narrating or whatever. Yeah, well, we went through Jesus. like what the fuck, God? What is this? <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, because I mean, you would have because if you created a movie that was more of a VR experience, you're gonna have people walking around. You're gonna yeah. have like, how do you direct the narrative that way? I don't know. Um, that'd be tough. That and you'd have to fill the whole world with something like you'd have oh. to direct them on what to look at. Yeah, like guide them through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to have someone like walking around the bookcase and they're beating off in the corner. So, like, oh, oh we got to have we gotta, that. We got to throw in the masturbator, <laughs> build out this world, make it believable. <laughs> it would be so many people just feeling up people <sighs> in the dark. Yeah. Bunch of pervs taking advantage of it. <laughs> wow, Billy, you've seen the Richard Attenborough doc 12 times this week. Jesus. It's really good. I love it. Why you have rubber gloves, huh? <laughs> so this theater is littered with Kleenexes and empty socks. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know if movies will be events anymore. Um, yeah, I mean because yeah, Marvel's a theme park ride, but at the same time, it's also a they're two hour episode TV shows, and yep. Endgame was pretty much the season well, two or season three finale i yeah. mean well i mean spider-man no way home is the third highest grossing movie of all time so you can't say that event movies are completely dead but they're not and i'm not saying movies are dead but i mean could they have made that movie for a streaming service yeah it's fair i mean it's just ch- whatever channel you decide to That's but true. i mean as far as like the cgi and yeah. the effects nothing are <sighs> chattering you're right yeah yeah I mean, short of, I mean, Peter Jackson was playing with frame rates for a little bit. Yep. Um, that no one liked. Yeah. No one liked it. Um, Didn't they have to re-release The Hobbit on like regular frames because people were just... I think when they released it on Blu-ray, they did it on regular frames mm. because people didn't like it. But I think there were some... I don't know if there was an option where you could watch it at 48 frames or not. Um, but... Yeah. Um yeah yeah it'll be interesting we'll to see, see. Yeah. maybe avatar 2 is going to come out like you said james cameron's going to come up with something yeah i i i hope i i think it'd be cool if you just 
pulls something out of his ass. And he's, he's like, like, he's like, oh, here's this. And everyone's like, like, oh my God. He's like fucking Willy Wonka. Yeah. It's the everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> People are going to flip. All right. Yep. So last week, you had recommended a yep. movie that I had never seen before, Blood Simple. That is correct. You recommend, recommended that I watch that, and I recommended you watch Open Range. Open Range. range. So those are the two movies we're going to talk about. Um, but uh, it was just kind of a fun experiment to yeah. see uh, what each other thought. Um, kind of like that we'd never seen Lawrence of Arabia. Correct. But yes. more of we're kind of looking forward to like the perspective or at least the, uh, uh, I guess the review of that movie. That's right. It's not AFI recommending that you watch something, Jay. It's, it's, it's Matt. Yeah. <laughs> M A M A T. Yeah. T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what do you want to talk about first? Um, let's talk about open range. Okay. Let's do cool. it. Open range. Uh, 2003 came out, uh, rated R. A former gunslinger is forced to take up arms again when he and his cattle crew are threatened by a corrupt lawman. Open Range is directed by Kevin Costner, and it stars Kevin Costner as Charlie Waite, boss, or Robert Duvall as boss, Annette Benning as Sue, and Michael Gammon as Denton Baxter. It's another good synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ripped straight, straight from, from it. IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I recommended this movie to you. Yes. Um, and I told you last week it wasn't going to be earth shattering or anything. You said it wouldn't change my life. It yet. would not change your life. No. Um, but I am a fan of Westerns. This is probably, I think, the one of the best Westerns that have come out in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um and uh but yeah what do you think i i agree with you it did not change my life jay yes but it is a very good movie i would give it a solid b plus yeah it's very good Mm -hmm. yeah i I like it a lot i like how smart the characters are in the movie they take their time playing out the next steps the very Mm -hmm. first 30 minutes of the movie uh it sets the atmosphere very well where it's long shots of just grazing on the plane. You're getting you're getting to understand their day-to-day when it comes to just herding cattle, cowboying, all that good stuff. You get to learn the characters a little bit. He was button mows and yeah, uh boss bo- not boss, yeah, boss, boss. spearman. Yep. And Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh so they set the char- characters upgrade. They give you a nice sense of space because it's called open range, damn it. So mm-hmm. we're gonna show you some open range. So yep. good on them. Uh yeah, taking their time to plan out steps. There's a scene or, or when they're meeting the marshal at the jail because they know they'll uh, want to strike soon because then Baxter would want results and wonder why he hired them. So they plan out steps throughout the movie where something happens and then they go and consult each other and they talk about well, what are we going to do next? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're smart about it and the, the yeah. audience is led into the decision-making process. Yeah. It's very... They do that all the time. Like when... Uh, they go in and they see that Moe's got beaten up at the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go to bail him out. Or not bail him out, but get him out of there. And they meet Ditton Baxter and, and the, the corrupt marshal. Mm-hmm. And they get they get their feelers for him. They start to, you know, space space and feel each other out a little bit. And when they get back to the op- to the range or the open range or whatever, uh, and they're talking about what are we going to do now? 
button was like, well, there's three guys on horses out there looking at us. And they go, well, show us. And they go, there's is that four. them? Oh, there's four now. So then they, they just sit there, literally. The, the, the scene is a shot of Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall, and, and Diego Luna looking at these four guys. And they're just staring at each other. All right, let's go talk. <laughs> they go. Yeah, just to see how they're going to how react. How they're going to react. Because right. there's two possibilities during that time. It's they Charlie is in the back of his head thinking he's like, these guys are going to try and murder us. Yes. Yep. Or they're there to intimidate us. Yep. So let's go and talk to them. If they talk to us, maybe it's more in line with intimidation. If they don't, they're probably just going to straight up try and murder us. Yep. So, but it's that kind of, let's go find out. Yep. See where we're at, what we need to decide next. Yep. So that happens. They, they, they walk away. The bandits do. And they come back and they have a discussion on what they, what we should do. It's like, well, if we sit here, they're going to come up, they're going to murder us, and they're going to take everything we have. Mm-hmm. Or we can go meet them where they're camped out right now and put the fear of God in them. Mm-hmm. It's basically what they do. So there's a lot of moments like that throughout the movie where something happens, they confer with each other, you start to get in there on their thought process, and then they execute. Yeah. It's like the whole movie. And it's great. I, li- I like how they do that. Yeah, it is. They, they don't just go guns blazing. No. And- there's a plan. But yeah, they do that throughout the whole movie. One of my favorite parts is uh, Charlie is getting worked up and he's pissed and he just wants to go to the the uh, jailhouse. And because they're not perfect, they're not always keeping their cool. Yeah. To where uh, there's an instance where it's it's raining in the town and Charlie just wants to go to the jail. He's like, screw it. Let's just go to the jailhouse. Let's kill uh, the sheriff. And then we can wait for the gang to show up. Then we'll kill them we'll there. Kill them come the next day, and yeah. then we can go and get uh, uh, Baxter and Robert Duvall's character, Boss Spearman. <laughs> he's like, well, no, I don't think we should do that. And Kevin Costner or Charlie's getting pissed because he uh, boss asked him for his opinion. And he's like, well, this, that's what that's what I said I was going to do. And he's like, just take a breath. And then when he said that, the wide shot of him charlie just standing in the rain yeah (laughs) just getting wet it's just like a good like calm down you don't even know where you're at right now you're getting poured on yeah and and robert duvall's just standing underneath the uh yeah the awning um why don't you come up out of the rain there charlie yeah (laughs) it's like take a breath realize where you're at where we're at to get your head back on right and um i like that yeah like you said i like that aspect of it um to where you they're smart Yep. Not guns blazing, but also they're fundamentally. You can tell who's fundamentally good and fundamentally bad Mm -hmm. to where now everyone's an antihero. The villains are actually good people and all the good people are actually bad people. We're all good. Yeah. And And at some level, it really got a jumpstart in Dexter to where, um, oh, it's a serial killer. And the heart of gold. Yeah. But well, not hard goal, but he kills other killers. Um, And so, oh, but all that is, is just creating a character that you can relate to. Yeah. Or that you can follow or be willing to follow. Same thing with uh, Walter White at the beginning to where. um, So you have you always have these anti-heroes, but that's what I like about open range is that they're fundamentally good. Yeah. Charlie plays a character to where he did some bad shit in his past life in the war. and but you can forgive him for that because everybody has done bad shit in a war yeah yeah or people have made mistakes 
in their life, mm-hmm. what varying degrees or whatever. So um, it's, it's not like he's perfect. He's not, um, they, they're not always just, I mean, they're not so straight laced, but you can tell that they're good um, because they've learned from uh, their past experiences. Past. Um, and then you can also tell who's bad. Um, and there's no, I mean, it's just, they're clearly bad. Yeah. And the, the music supports that kind of a movie to where, uh, early on, like the music with the landscapes and everything, it felt like a very wholesome kind of Western, like that old school. It, it felt like a little house in the prairie kind of feel, but you know, I mean, you know, you know where you're standing with each of the characters. You're not going to get yeah. some weird off the wall twist. Like, Oh, he was evil all along. I know that's true. By the way, I could watch Robert Duvall read stereo instructions. The man is amazing. I love him. He's really Everything good. Everything he's in. Have, he's have so you seen uh, Lonesome Dove? No. I bet it's good. I bet <sighs> he's good in it. I'll let you borrow that. That's that's. What is it about Robert Duvall? He's got that like Tom Hanks quality where it's just... He's... I don't know. You can could, you could watch him think. He's He's incredibly charming to the... he's charming and i think he it's like he thinks he's the funniest person and he doesn't care if you agree with him or or not not. (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to explain it um that's true i like the character arcs too mm -hmm. i like boss spearman's and charlie's uh yeah boss spearman he has the luxury of time and wisdom his arc is of almost giving up on life and being very no nonsense and not settling down isn't all it's cracked up to be he wants to pass that on to Button and learn from his mistakes because he really has something against Button at, for the first hour of the movie, and then um, sort of sympathizes with him a little bit. Like you know, I've been a little too hard on him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean, he's a very paternal figure, um, not only to yeah. Button but also to that's um, that's where I was going with it. the paternal the paternal aspect of it. You know, he doesn't have any kids himself. Uh, so he's projecting that on button a little bit. Yeah. And Moe's and Charlie to some extent. Charlie definitely. Um, and I mean, he even flat out says it. He's like, that's why I've told you guys to get out of this business. Um, you're going to, while you can, he's like, so you're not like me kind of a thing, which is a typical father thing to say, like, don't, don't do what I did. Do, do something better. Pushing, pushing, uh, Charlie to, you know, go talk to her. Mm-hmm. Now, you, especially now that you know that they're not married, mm-hmm. you like her, so don't don't live your life in regret. Yeah, and 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 I like that too. To where I like that instant, and that kind of goes along with the um, you you know the good people are good. To where when they think the uh, Sue is the wife of the doctor, um, they you could tell that okay, yeah, I, I find her attractive. They don't approach her. Doesn't act. You on don't. It. I mean, if that movie was made today, it would have. She would have been married to the doctor, and uh, Kevin Costner trying to bang her, and like the doctor would be <laughs> abusive, and blah blah blah, and like not, that's right. And they were just like, nope. Well, yeah, she was pretty, and yep. And then they just later, and it was funny because when they found, oh, that's not, it's not the doctor's wife. That's a sister, and and you could just, they're both like, oh sh- shit, like yeah. The, Oh, say what? Oh, hold on. Let me go get my game really quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, it's my best pickup line. Yeah. But yeah, the dialogue too, by the way, was great. I, I, I wrote down here some of my favorite ones. I didn't raise my boys to see him die. And mm-hmm. Costner goes, 
Well, there are things that not a man worse than dying. <laughs> it's a great retort. Uh, she's entitled to more than just your backside walking away. Well, if I'm going to get killed, I got a hankering to soothe my sweet tooth. <laughs> I like that whole scene too in <laughs> the general good. store to yeah. where the town's aware yeah. of what's happening. Yeah. Um, and to where they both realize, well, all right, this is it. This is it. Let's, uh, I'm going to get some cigars, some candy. And, uh, Kevin Costner is going to order a, a tea set. set. Yeah. And like, let's take care of our shit really quick and then enjoy what last little bit we have and then yep. do what we have to do. And if we make it, we make it. If not, oh, well, by the way, I got to say, I did not anticipate the, the standoff scene to be, uh, that good it lasted longer than i expected i thought it was going to be like a you know quick 10 minute yep. thing but it lasted like 25 30 yeah, minutes it's going yeah and uh, how was your sound it was good yes yeah, so i so yeah i agree i like the i like how they handle gunshots because i think there was only one time before that gunfight where you hear a gun go off and that was in the bar when they were trying to get served and the barkeeper the, the shot the mirror. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. I think that was the only time they did a gunshot. And then, because I remember the first time I saw this surround sound, everything. And it, the whole movie was pretty quiet. Yeah. I mean, it's just dialogue, it uh, some uh, underscore for the music. Um, but it, it's just a dialogue movie. Um, there's not very loud special effects at all except for that one gunshot but in the final uh, in the climax of the film with the shootout i i just remember that the sound mix for that was just so much more louder and more intense than everything else that there was only one other movie i saw to where i felt those gunshots and that was uh, 16 blocks in Grauman's Chinese theater. And that was probably had to do with the sound system that was in that mm. theater at the time, because whenever those gunshots were going, I was looking behind me. Oh, gotcha. I, they sounded so real, so close. And the first time I saw open range, I had the exact same feeling um, as that. Uh, but I love the sound mix with the gunfight. I like the wide angles that they use for the gunfight. I yep. mean, other than a couple of shots, like right at the beginning when he just shoots the guy in the head. Yeah. Which I, I, I love scenes like that. Like, oh, you're, are you, you're, you're, the, you're the biggest, baddest guy here. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're the, you're the one to kill. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I gotta say though, I, I was a little disappointed in that because I love Kim Coates. Yeah. He's like the best bad guy ever. Yeah. He's, He's on uh, Sense of Anarchy. He was my favorite character in okay. Sense of Anarchy. But he's he always he's always cast as like the creepy, slimy, yeah, he, like guy. Well, Kevin Costner killed him in uh, Waterworld too. He did. That's and, right. Uh, and his catamaran. His catamaran. Um, half an I, hour, I forgot half an about hour, that. Half an hour. Half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I love the sound mix. Um, and the the whole gunfight. Yeah, they took their time with it. It they wasn't. Did. It was great. Um. You didn't have people like running down the street in the middle. Um, I like that they didn't have perfect aim either. Thank yeah. God. They're missing shit. Yes. Um, as you would. Mm -hmm. As you would. The uh, and which I like that scene also for Sue um, because she's I mean, she wasn't the damsel in distress. She was. Um, she put her life on the line. She, there, trying yeah. to save button. And yeah, she's a full character, which. Yeah. Part of it, I feel like, owes 
debt to the book. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure. So um, and she wasn't a pushover. She wasn't the typical no. woman in like this kind of movie where, oh, gee, sir, yes. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but uh, she actually had dimension and, and character. But um, do you have any negatives for the movie? Anything you would change? A little smalty in there, some some areas, but <clears throat> um, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it's not one that I would rewatch a lot. Um, I would agree with that. I watch it about the time I I because I know that I like it. Yes, and after a certain period of time, because I've only seen it two other times. Um, and they've been about seven years apart when right. I read them. I, I just remember liking it. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I really don't remember much. You watch about it to it. the point where you're like, I kind of forget this, but yeah, I kind of forget it. I'm going to turn it on. Yeah, like, let's watch oh, okay. it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, that's a good way. That's a good way to see it. But, uh, negatives. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's a decent movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's Kevin Costner's best. I mean, dances with wolves. Well, I think is a little the bit Postman better. is the best. I have not seen that. I kind of want to just because I like, I, I like Kevin Costner movies. He's coming out with a new movie called horizon. Really? Yeah. It's uh did you like Waterworld? Yes, I did too. Yeah. I, I don't get, I don't understand why I get such a bad rap. I mean, cause it was expensive. It didn't make as much money as they thought it did, but overall I thought it was a pretty, yeah. And I think maybe movie. that's where it came from. I haven't seen it recently. Maybe we should watch it. And, hey. um, it, it, I, love, I, I love Dennis Hopper too. Yeah. Love him. I mean, it's a goofy, it's, a good, it's goofy movie. Um, it's a fun movie. Yeah. It's Mad Max on water. That's exactly what it is. Um, so maybe we should probably talk about that sometime. Yeah. I wouldn't mind watching that. Um, but uh, but my negatives for the movie were very nitpicky, mm-hmm. N- completely nitpicky. Uh, yeah, some of the moments didn't need the score in the background. For example, when Charlie had a PTSD flashback when when Sue woke him up, there's yep. uh, it would have been better if it was just silent and they let it let the sound of the rain in the background and that's all that was there. Mm-hmm. They had this like emotional, arky score, kind of cheesy yeah. score. If they just would have had the rain, it was raining, mm-hmm. like, but the sound. Just let it rain. Let's sound do it. Yeah. Uh, and then the ending, I thought was a little too sentimental, cheesy. You know, kissing that bending a few too many times and then the slow motion right off with the cheesy music. Yeah. I'm like, just, you don't have to do that. Just kiss her goodbye and credits mm-hmm. roll. And that's it. Okay. But yeah, other than that, I get it. Other than that, great. Mm-hmm. B plus, Jay. Yeah. I like Solid the movie. One final thing. It. I like the rain, mm-hmm. the storm, the dog falling in the. And the oh, water yeah. that was re- just a small little thing like that. I mean, earlier today, I was like, oh, was that even needed? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it was because it helped instill the town into liking him because he yes. saved the guy's dog. And then the guy vouched for they him. They can trust then, him a little bit. Yeah. And it, it just kind of snowballed into yeah. the town getting behind. It was them. a nice little touch, too, about the elements that they're living in. Mm-hmm. It rains that much. And yeah, it washes away your street. Are street. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's not like, oh, there's three inches of muddy water. It's, oh, waist deep. Yeah. water that you could die in that's right and um but yeah i like that touch i like the little foreshadowing of oh every time we get a storm like this it just washes the town clean that's right and yeah. or the next day the whole town is washed away clean yeah. and which that was the first time i picked up on that when i watched it this week but. and i do like that costner in a western in montana 
but doesn't have the the gruffy John Dunn voice. I, I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Yeah. His normal Costner voice, which is good. Mm-hmm. His uh his new movie Horizon is. Hold on, let me bring this up really quick because you'll like it because. He loves being in westerns. He loves. Oh, I like it, Jay. You sure, I like it. He, uh, but yeah, the next one he directs chronicles a multifaceted fifteen-year span of pre and post-war, post-Civil War expansion and settlement of the American West. Oh wow! So, and it stars Kevin Costner. And to so, a lot of listeners out there, they just fell asleep. <laughs> you explaining that hard dicks. Oh, oh, you're awake again. Okay. Wait, there's no. <laughs> There's no fucking wizards or dragons in this. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I think that'll be, I don't know. I'm a sucker for Western. No, that so sounds good. I, it, it could just be, it could be three hours of someone slowly trotting through. That's right. Big Let sky, mountains in the background. Let it play. Let it sink in. Enjoy it. Let it breathe a little bit. So, yeah. Anything else on open range? Nah, great pick. I recommend it. All right. Blood Simple. Blood Simple is was released in 1984, rated R. The owner of a seedy small-town Texas bar discovers that one of his employees is having an affair with his wife. A chaotic chain of misunderstandings, lies, and mischief ensues after he devises a plot to have them murdered. Written and directed by the Cohen brothers, although Ethan Cohen is uncredited in this. Yes. So um, He produced it, though. Yes. Um, but it stars, let me turn to my notes. Uh, John Getz plays Ray. Francis McDormand plays Abby. Dan Hadaya. 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 Jesus yep. Christ. Plays Marty. <laughs> and, and M. Emmett Walsh plays private investigator Visser. Yep. Lauren Visser. So, blood simple. I guess I'll go. So Jay, yeah, this is the one I recommended to you. Yes. You, I could not believe you had not seen the Coen Brothers debut movie. Yep. And I remember seeing it uh when I was in high school and just loved it immediately. And I probably watch it every other year mm-hmm. around there. It's okay. like an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes. Yeah, it's, it's not, not too long. It's not long at all. It's a simple movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, what'd you think of it? Um I all right. So of the Coen Brothers movies that I've seen, um, obviously Big Lebowski, Fargo, Lady Killers, uh, No Country for Old Men, True Grit, and I want to say that is there may be one or two in there, but I haven't seen Raising Arizona. Ooh, um, and. You would love Raising Arizona. I haven't seen Intolerable Cruelty. I haven't seen... That one's not good. Uh, I think a couple other ones. Oh, I saw uh, uh, Hail Caesar. Saw that one. Okay. So um, you haven't seen like Barton Fink or the Hudsucker saw, Proxy? Saw, or... saw Barton Fink, saw Hudsucker Proxy. Those okay. are the ones I've seen, but it's been so long. That, yeah, it's been a while for um, me too. And then Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I've seen bits and pieces of that. I've I already haven't. talked about this. It's the most overrated movie ever. Ugh. So... I've seen Fargo and I've seen Big Lebowski though. Okay. So that kind of goes with how I'm relating to this movie. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it felt like a first, first movie. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was watching Raimi's evil dead after I 
watched Raimi's other movies. Right. I could see where the inspiration or the style was. Yep. Um, I enjoyed this as a first movie better than Wes Anderson's first movie, Bottle Rocket. Okay. Um, because when I watched Bottle Rocket, other than a couple of dialogue pieces, um, I didn't really feel like it was a Wes Anderson movie. Mm. Rushmore got a little bit there, but I really didn't feel like it was full Wes Anderson until about some aspects of Royal Tannenbaum's, but Life Aquatic was full Wes Anderson. Blood Simple, I could tell it was a Coen Brothers movie. movie. Yeah. And... Um, but I enjoyed it and I enjoyed it for those, that aspect. The first thing I wrote down was, uh, the bug on Emmett Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. VW bug. Uh, cause there's a VW bug in Big Lebowski that a PI oh, yeah, is yeah, driving yeah. and it's always like it was parked away in the distance Yeah, yeah. when they showed it. And cause that, I think that was in the first like two minutes of the movie to where Francis McDormand like looks in the rear view and sees the VW bug behind her. And oh, yeah, I was yeah. like, that's the same thing that Lebowski saw in his review. I saw a bug and he goes confronts him, yeah, the guy yeah. eventually. But a um, couple of stylistic camera moves, uh, the dolly shot along the bar over the sleeping drinker when yeah, um, I think the bar was shut down for the evening, but it just goes. The camera lifts up over the drinker and then follow it like it was yep. very exacting and very um deliberate and a lot i mean they're i feel like they're known for a lot of those camera moves um dolly shots especially and then they they similar uh the fall back into bed shot with francis mcdormand where yeah. she kind of like passes out and falls into yeah. bed um they had the sam Raimi projectile cam shot and when, when uh when uh uh yeah Daya's character what's his name you said it already oh anyway he goes in to confront Abby. marty Marty comes in to confront Abby mm -hmm. and he's, he takes her out of the house yep. and then the, the projectile cam from the evil dead mm -hmm. comes in and yep. zooms up. I was like, ah, they watched the evil dead here. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I, I felt like I'm, I'm, I'm glad they introduced humor into their movies. Yeah. Um, because, and I'm, I'm going to be bringing up Fargo and big Lebowski a lot, but it was, very similar movie as Fargo and Big Lebowski. It was mm -hmm. a crime gone wrong and shit just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Big Lebowski kind of have a happy ending. Um, a little bit yeah. <laughs> like, but it's, um, it's just idiots falling over each other. Yeah. And I like how eventually they made them made the characters dumb. I didn't get a sense of, dumb from these characters maybe ill-prepared um but i it didn't have that sense of goofiness of it, no that fargo and big lebowski not had. like fargo big lebowski um, no. bumblingness of, no. of characters um it felt a little bit uh a little more gruesome and i'm glad they interjected humor into their later movies because i think fargo and uh fargo especially i think would have been it which Fargo is kind of a sad movie. It really would have been depressing if everyone played it straight. Yeah. I mean, they did play it straight, but like they didn't have the, the humor in it. I think it would have been a very depressing movie. 
No, I agree with that. Uh, because it would have turned it into a cautionary tale as opposed to. Uh, it wouldn't set it apart like it did. Correct. Yes. I like I like the fact that <clears throat> it's called Blood Simple and you're expecting it to be just a simple murder for hire mystery. That maybe goes a little wrong here or there. I thought that when I, when I first saw it, I thought it was just going to be a movie about uh, two star-crossed lovers that uh, are running away from a hitman that, that was hired to kill them. Mm-hmm. And that's what the whole movie was going to be about. And that was it. They're just running away from this hitman and the hitman stalking him throughout the movie. And it, it instantly turns to where the hitman double-crosses Marty right away, tries to frame the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. The boyfriend comes and thinks that the girlfriend did it, so she tries to hide the body so that she doesn't get into trouble. He ends up not being dead and he buries the fucker alive, mm-hmm. which is a, a great scene, by the yeah. way, of him burying him alive. <laughs> Go, the, he goes to confront her about it. She has no idea what is going on, you know, because he's talking circles around it and he's freaking out and all that good stuff. Hey, man, comes back, realizes that the body's gone. And uh, needs to cover up what happened. So mm-hmm. he tries to go and, and murder both of them. Anyway, I like the fact that you think it's going to be a simple story like Hitman for Hire, and it turns into this. Yeah. But it since I saw it and I'm used to the Coen Brother filmography, it's not as shocking because there are twists and turns throughout their movies. Mm-hmm. If I would have saw this in 1984 for the first time, it probably would have been a different experience. Yeah. There probably weren't a lot of movies out there like that. Mm-hmm. And the movie could have easily been kind of a dark comedy um there's some funny dialogue in it there is yeah um stick your finger up the wrong person's ass <laughs> that's a good line yeah you know it was also a nice little funny touch that after he after he buries marty alive he goes back to the car and there's that the ominous music's playing while he's doing it and then the car stalls <laughs> and then the music stops <laughs> for like 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then <laughs> starts again and the music goes yeah <laughs> that's a deliberate choice folks yeah the they're trying to make some com- comedic tones with that little scene there mm-hmm. like i like you know how they have literally dead fishes like he brings back dead fishes mm-hmm. puts it on the table sleeping with the fishes come on i mean pretty obvious nice little touch the uh i love the dead end street that he lives on Mm-hmm. there's like two two times where like someone comes to tell uh um john gets his character i'm ray right ray has either confronting ray or give him some piece of pivotal information and they drive off like screaming away and they realize it's dead and yeah. They have to come back. <laughs> back. yeah that was pretty good oh <laughs> uh, that's good i think yeah, I, mean, I, I laughed at that part it's just cohen brothers you know yeah. the little touches but what would, what would you give it overall? Would you recommend it? Would you recommend people see it? Or I would, yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of Coen Brothers, I recommend yeah. it. Just so, for the simple fact that you're going to see a lot of their trademark sticks that they do yeah. um, in this movie. Um, and you'll see a lot of similarities to where it's not, I said this before, it's not so early that they didn't have a sense of where what kind of filmmakers they wanted to be. It is um it fits within their filmography for sure it follows that it's definitely long. the rubric of their subsequent films mm-hmm. it, yeah you can you can see all the different touches in it yeah but i mean if i think by today's standards 
if it was just a random movie not associated with the Coen brothers, I don't know if it would have been, I guess, is not monumental, but a big of a deal. Right. That it would have been like if it was just a one off director that just happened to come out with this movie, maybe a cult following do yeah. it. But I don't think it would have. Um, I don't know if people would still be talking about it. Um, but I mean, because it is a Coen Brothers, it's been released on Criterion. It's, I mean, it's, um, yep, it's noteworthy because it's the first one from these directors that have worked for 30, 40 years. So, um, but yeah, I recommend it. What do you think of Dan Hidea's uh, fursuit? <laughs> I told Christy when we were watching this, I was like, that is a hairy dude. <laughs> that man. Uh, what, what, yeah, it was a picture, wasn't it? Yes. I was like, Jesus, that's a fucking sweater. And <laughs> um, oh, my God, he was hairy. Yeah, I, was like, was. I, th- I, I said, I know I said something uh, when I saw that. And I was like, God, and uh, that. That's amazing. He he yeah, he was one of those hairy people where you look at his five o'clock shadow in the movie, he probably shaved an hour yeah. ago. It's so just thick. Yeah. Just not not a he's a quarter Hungarian, so that's why <laughs> the man, the man's hairy folks. Jeez. Yeah. Not and I think that was the first I think that's the first serious role I've seen him in. I mean, he's the re- only thing I really remember him in is Clueless. Oh, uh, yeah, I know he's been dad. in a bunch of stuff. He was in but... Adam's family and yeah, he's really good in the Hurricane. He plays the guy who persecutes uh, Denzel Washington, uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter. Mm. He's like the corrupt cop that yeah. pins that frames him. He's really good in that. But yeah, you're right. Other than that, then not too many dramatic roles that I remember him in, yeah. being in. But I remember this now. He now was on. in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Was he really? Yeah, he played Red. Was that even? I don't even remember. I just watched it and I don't remember him being in it. Yeah. But Jay, that first suit puts Robin Williams to shame. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, Robin Williams looked like a seal compared to... <laughs> I think we pretty much covered them both, Jay. I think we did. All right. What are we going to talk about next time, Jay? No. Hold on. i got to open up my thing. There it is. <laughs> uh, my all thing. Right, all right, my thing's open. <laughs> Uh well next week we will be talking about oh beautiful yeah give the people what they want <laughs> if you want more of that yeah <laughs> join us next week as we talk about Judd Apatow's new film The Bubble and Charlie McDowell's Windfall both movies which are currently playing on Netflix so if you are one of our twelve followers and you would like to watch these movies before we review them and haven't seen them already get netflix don't get the ad supported one get the get the commercial free one or share your password or share your password while you can that's right they're gonna while you can crack down on that which by the way is gonna lose them more subscribers so yeah yeah smart moves but yeah uh the bubble and windfall will be the uh We'll see if those are any good. Well, Jay, what do you think? What are your expectations for the bubble and windfall? I've not heard good things about the bubble. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think that style of comedy is setting, sunsetting, um, waning. I it might it might be set. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, but uh But it is Jed Apatow. It is. Uh he he is good with comedy, so um 
that has yeah yeah but windfall haven't heard anything about saw a trailer thought it looked interesting yep um I like jesse plemons yep meth damon and uh jason siegel meth damon uh, is that what you call him no i call him <laughs> jesse plemons uh oh. meth damon <laughs> Uh, I thought you were referring to Jason Segel, uh, and I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, really? Which, Jesse Plemons married uh, Mary Ke- Jane. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus. That a boy. Fucking, that's some pull. <laughs> He's got that BDE, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Just slanging, swinging everywhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the bubble. Windfall, watch it, and uh, we will talk about it uh, next week. Yes, we will. Awesome. Jay, do you have any sign-offs? I don't. I don't either. No, no sign-offs. No. Watch us or listen to us. We still don't have an email where you can write in. Leave a comment somewhere on our YouTube. That would be great. We promise we're, we're working towards this. Yeah. We, <laughs> we got fucking life, people. Like, we can't. <laughs> uh Well, Jay, until next time. Until next time. I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good.